let's face it, romantic relationships tend to consume much of our collective emotional energy. Sometimes we don't know where to find the answers. I mean, heck, often I don't even know the questions. Why is it important for women to support other women? <laughs> because it's what the guys do. A couple of years ago, I launched Pink Wisdom in my living room here in New York City. The best relationship advice I ever received was actually when I was married. I am happily divorced now. To create a space for lovelorn women to discuss relationships, love, sex, breakups. How do men respond to strong women and how does it affect? How do you get your self-esteem and your confidence back? Um, all that good stuff. I would bring in these incredible relationship experts to answer questions and offer advice based on their experiences. One of the best pieces of advice that I have ever received is actually from my mom. After you have been dumped, the best way to get your self-esteem back is to fall in love with your own life. So not only do I get to ask these experts the questions that you would be asking them if you were to meet them in person, I get to pass on all their well-earned words of wisdom to you. I am enough. I am worthy of love. Hey there, everyone. This is Allison Chase. Jody Picoult once said, the human capacity for burden is like bamboo, far more flexible than you'd ever believe at first glance. Which leads me to this week's podcast topic, resilience. What are we talking about when we talk about resilience? People tend to associate resilience with a hardness or a toughness. But this definition implies that resilience is just about being a fighter. And it's limiting because if we're too hardened and we're too tough, we actually block the possibility for growth. I have a very special guest who's coming into the studio today, Marika Frooms. You're in for a very special treat to talk about the topics of resilience and overcoming self-doubt. What the heck does resilience even mean? Thanks for having me. I think to start with resilience is to land on mindset. Resilience to me is everything grounded in your mindset and how you choose to approach your everyday and your life. Um, there's a choice. Is it a positive or an optimistic outcome or is, you know, the the frown down and is it raining on your parade? And that is our choice to make. So, okay, I guess going back to mindset, um, something I like to talk about is abundance mindset and scarcity mindset. And those are things we often hear about in passing, but just to focus on that for a second as a tool, um, when something is happening that you are feeling scarce, so let's say financially you feel like you can't afford that brunch or you shouldn't get that dress. There's just like a tightening. It's just a great tool to observe and to feel where is this coming from? Am I in a weak financial position because I've lost my job, which would be a practical and kind of pragmatic approach where note that and <laughs> that's a good idea maybe not to buy the shoes or is there uh, a scarcity that you might not even be consciously aware of that's coming from past patterns or familial patterns, in which case it may serve you to push past and take that brunch, you know, and like lean into something that might be a little bit uncomfortable. So the first tool, honestly, is just self-inquiry and observation. In terms of other tools for resilience, again, if we go back to mindset, like you mentioned, exercise and raising your endorphins, another great way to just check in with yourself and know where you're at. 
What are, you, what are your thoughts on things like therapy and life coaching? Hmm. It's a great question uh, for me, okay, specifically because I've recently t- taken on the hat of a relationship coach, which comes after truly years of doing it without officially feeling comfortable that that hat was mine. You know, I never would have considered myself a coach or even felt comfortable with that word, but I was essentially facilitating and coaching truly thousands of women in the settings that we gathered. Just to give you a little bit of background, we would cons- we would have intimate dinners with 25 women present that were curated and brought together intentionally for the purpose of A, we would know that those connections would be beneficial to them, but B, we would lead the dinner to ensure that people connected authentically. And what that means is we'd encourage them to put away any business cards and lead with what do you do? And rather, we invited everyone to put out an ask. And we found that when people ask for what they need, their vulnerability speaks and disarms everyone else in the room, allowing for people to really connect as human beings rather than people that could potentially do something for you or vice versa. In those settings, a lot of really kind of vulnerable things came up. And as a host and facilitator of that space, to go back to your question, it was a lot of coaching. And I think it was a lot of collective group therapy because when there's a vulnerable ask or someone realizes often these things would come up that you don't even plan, which is a great, it means you've created a great space when someone feels comfortable enough to divulge something that they weren't intending. And then the group would have to hold them, you know, and have to kind of put them back together if they got a little bit not unhinged, but real. So I think therapy is the foundation to what our world most needs right now. We're meeting on the day of the election. And I keep thinking about, you know, without getting into politics, if we had more therapy. And therapy is, you know, you can think of therapy as a traditional, you sit down in front of a person and lay down on the couch, whatever it is. That's one form of therapy. But there's thousands of forms of therapy. Petting an animal is a form of therapy. Having a conversation where you feel safe with anyone is a form of therapy. And that is actually my answer to what the world most needs right now. It's genuine human connection. It's removing of your filter. It's the ability to allow yourself to be seen And it's also allowing yourself to see yourself. The problems that we really have in the world come from insecurity, doubt with men and women. It's just a lot of men are at the helm right now, kind of hiding their insecurities in big suits. But therapy is the answer. It's love. You know, it's self-love. It's taking care of yourself. You know what? The one thing I'll tell you from having thousands of women, very successful women at the tables that I facilitate The one theme, whether you're a founder or CEO or a housewife, it doesn't matter, is we all doubt ourselves. And actually, I found that the more successful someone is, the more the doubt is there because I think they're also surrounded by other titans in their industries and tend to kind of, you know, yeah, through that doubt. But I think of that as I meet people and it helps me feel if in the moments I feel insecure that I'm sitting next to another human and they also have these same feelings and insecurities. How did you overcome your own self-doubt to go from facilitator, host, founder to actually now getting into personal one-on-one coaching? It's a journey and it's ongoing. So I'm not going to say that my doubt is behind me, but a practical tool that I've used is education. So, you know, something that I always 
doubt myself on is like, oh, I don't have this certification or I didn't go to school for this. So why would anyone pay me money to coach them? And that's actually a lot of coaches will go back to that and have that insecurity. I know intuitively that I'm very good at connecting with people and seeing through the weeds, right? And where I've now stepped into helping myself not doubt myself as much is also getting some education and getting certified, you know, or taking an accelerator. So I'm in my way legitimizing myself to me, not to anyone else, mm-hmm. if that makes and sense. And we're talking a lot about self-doubt. How's that connected to resilience? If the underlier to resilience is self-doubt, <laughs> I think they go hand in hand as a marriage. Resilience is kind of the sprinkling that soaks the water and helps the seeds come up, if we want to use an analogy. Well done. done. All right. Let's get really practical here. What are three books or podcasts or Instagram accounts or thought leaders that you personally follow and that you recommend that have inspired you for your own inner strength and growth? What are those three items that really fuel your vision? Okay, so this is off the cuff. I haven't actually given deep, deep thought to this, which means that these are musts. Mm -hmm. So the first book I would recommend any man or woman read and pardon the title, even if you're not spiritual or into the woo, like this is a must. It's called If the Buddha Dated. And it's a spiritual and I quote unquote spiritual approach to dating. But essentially, it's a free therapist or a $12.95 book that you should read upon entering the dating world. That'll help you get grounded in your own values and then make you do an exercise to understand what your dating values are. And when you enter the dating world with that groundedness and that perspective of actually understanding yourself in that world and what you want, you will be a much more effective dater and you're going to save a lot of time. So that's in my practice, the one book I have everyone read before we start working together. So that's the first one. The second, not book, but thought leader, though she is coming out with a book, I haven't read it, but looking forward to that is Amy Chan. Do you know Amy Chan? Oh, I think she's wonderful. She's amazing. So at Amy Chan, I think is her Instagram. She is also a relationship expert. And the thing about Amy Chan is she does her work. You know, she combines science with intuition and emotion, which creates, it's kind of like if a scientist and a healer got together. So you're getting the best of both worlds and her approach is direct. I like it very much. I love Baba's Instagram. Baba is my co-founder in her USA. And she, I think, also does an amazing job of melding the glamour. You know, she's an amazing dresser and has a really keen eye with groundedness. And she invites you on her personal journey going from this it girl to the it girl who just had a baby and, you know, just like letting her, her you into her world really authentically. I respect her so much. Fantastic. What did your own mother mm-hmm. or becoming a mother teach you personally about resilience? What I mean by that is, and if we keep it in the relationship space, what was your, your personal blueprint growing up by watching your mother's choices mm-hmm. via in her marriage or her motherhood? Yeah. 
So they say that we date the person that we either is the opposite of our parent or if we had incredible childhood, maybe is the mirror of our parent. And I think I would have to go on the route of opposite of my mother. And I love her very much. And this, you know, shouldn't cast any shadows on her. However, my background is of that of an immigrant. I came here when I was seven. And my mom is an incredibly resilient woman in the sense that she immigrated at an age of 37, okay, from the former Soviet Union, didn't know the language and had to start over, you know, came here with a PhD in music and cleaned homes and worked at the muffin shop. So let's talk about that form of resilience where you eat your ego and start over. So for that, I have an incredible amount of respect and admiration for her. Yet in the space of relationships and her self-awareness, she hasn't done a great job of owning her shit and taking care of herself. So the self-love slash being able to practically manage her finances or being able to stand on her own. I feel like I'm helping her constantly in this life. And I saw that as for me an opportunity to like be the opposite, which can get me in trouble. Um, And I'm looking at you, Allison, as another independent woman. Anyone that's listening out there who's been in a relationship with someone that's like, hey, like you're a little too independent. We get that a lot. But it comes from a place of watching someone that wasn't able to take care of themselves. So now I want to, as much as I can, you know, make a living or, you know, be able to do everything for myself. I'm working on allowing people to do things for me and to receive. And that Mm -hmm. for me is a practice. It's not easy. And I think actually to anyone out there that's listening I know you're resonating with these words. Receiving Mm -hmm. is really hard because it's also a practice of self-love. And we often love ourselves last. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. And so... What does receiving look like to you? It's honestly the most basic of things that even when someone asks you how you're doing, to actually tell them the truth and allow them to just not, you know, you you don't have to excuse it, but just you can say I'm feeling bad and have them hold space for you. That's a form of Mm self-love. That's a form of you just receiving someone's energy and time. Or allowing yourself to brag. Exactly. Oh, yes. A great, such a great point. You know, I don't even view it as bragging anymore. It's like, I'm proud. And today I feel proud. And this is why. Or if someone asks you if you need something at the store or any errand run, you're like, oh, no, no, that's okay. I feel, you know, I don't want to inconvenience you. No, they're asking you. Take the ask. Or introductions. Can I introduce you to something? You're starting a company. Yes, let me put out an efficient ask, which is something that I talk a lot about. We are very poor askers. And the more we practice, the, more, the better we become at it. And the more we give ourselves subconscious seeds of self-love because an ask is, especially put effectively, is an investment in your like little love tank. Is there a way to use destruction as a means to break through the muck and the shit out of every day? And what we're referring to is the emotional, the creative, the intellectual issues that we swat day in and day out. Is there a tool to use what would be termed a negative and turn it into a positive. First thing that came to me when you ask the question 
is a visual of the chiseling of the soul, okay? And I say to people who are in shit or struggling that your soul is being chiseled right now. You don't see it and you don't feel like it, but when there is negativity and when you're suffering or there's something that, you know, you're just in the muck, it's the only time truly that you are reflective enough to make changes, Because when things are groovy and we're having a grand old time and no one's wearing masks and, you know, life is just going, why are we stopping to reflect or why are we stopping to nurture ourselves or to grow? Because we're not incentivized to. And, you know, whether we like it or not, human nature is to go with the flow and make things easy, right? So it's only in those times of struggle, despair, unease that we stop and we chisel our soul. And to kind of elaborate further on that in terms of why I think that's a beautiful and necessary thing, and especially in this world as it is right now, things may look very negative right now, but I do think that we are slowly, and I say this really carefully because I know millions are suffering and I don't take away from that. I mean, I lost my job in April and, you know, that's the least of what the world is going through right now. But on a spiritual level, All of us are experiencing a chiseling of our souls. And I do believe that we're becoming more aware, elevated, connected human beings because it's through that negativity that we can connect on the fundamental human level versus on a lot of the superficiality that we're constantly operating in. There's no more like, oh, cute bag. Like, where'd you get that? Because we're not seeing each other's bags, right? And we're seeing each other on Zoom and it's not about our outfits anymore. It's about how we're feeling. And, you know, you can't have a casual chit chat on Zoom. You actually want to go deep and connect. And so in that environment where we all think or feel or felt that the world is crumbling down, and there are elements, of course, that are really unfortunate, but we're becoming better people. Um, we're, we're forced into it right now. The biggest obstacles I see with the clients that I have right now is just people not being aware of their barriers. And you know what, guys? The reality is our friends don't tell us the truth. It's not their job. We hire professionals to help us lose weight or do our hair or be better aesthetically, but we don't often hire professionals outside of therapy, coaches, to actually be very effective daters and address our blind spots. So my ask is, if you have a friend who you know her blind spot, but you might be uncomfortable in sharing that with her or him, please let them know that I'm available. I appreciate about myself that I'm very direct, but I'm also incredibly empathetic and have an open heart. So people take it with love but also they can make lasting changes in their lives by knowing that a behavior that they are exhibiting in their dating life is actually really sabotaging them from finding joy, happiness, and if they're looking for that in a relationship. And logistically, how do we get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, I think the best way right now is Instagram, and it's at Marika Frumis, uh, M-A-R-I-K-A-F-R-U-M-E-S on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you would indulge me can I give you like three rapid fire relationshipy type questions? Sure. I love this guy and he ghosted me. 
Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our world right now. Yeah, that's a big one. And I think fundamentally talking about resilience, we're all getting a really thick skin these days because that is the new normal. Self-love and self-respect are the answer here where if you are ghosted, you have to remember it actually has nothing to do with you. It's not that you did anything. It's not that, you know, you said something wrong. It's that this person is... A, not polite because ultimately the person you want to wind up with, even though that this is the new normal, like you don't want that, right? Think about that. Do you want to be with a person that felt it was okay to just disappear? It's not polite in any world, right? So just remember that first, like you don't want to be with a person like that, but it again has nothing to do with you because they're dealing with their own shit and they have their own traumas. And you know what? They probably just saved you some time. So the logical response is your time was just saved. Um, and the more emotional one is you dig deep and you know that you are worthy of great love and a human being that at the very least owes you the courtesy of a, hey, it was really great to meet you. I'm not sure that this is a best match for me, but let's stay open and see where this friendship could go. And by the way, I will add that this is not the answer to your question. Becoming friends with your exes is a beautiful thing because they're going to be very open with you about you, you know, and there's this level of they don't need anything from you and they're not trying to be with you. So it could be a really beautiful relationship that unfolds there. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that's sensitive, but it's obviously after time has passed and emotions have settled. Um, my best friends are my three exes. Mm -hmm. I'm a strong, powerful, confident woman who is making shit happen. My boyfriend is making less money and more passive. How can I be me without emasculating him? Well, he's very lucky to be with you first and foremost. And I think the response here is less worrying about him um, and how he's doing and more focus on you and what you're doing to take care of yourself, both in the relationship, but in the greater world as well. And what I see in this dynamic, which you want to be careful of, is overcompensating, right? You're a successful woman and you're kind of the alpha and you want to get your partner onto that same level. It actually can be a little tricky in the relationship because the more you try to force that, the lower he will go in terms of he's going to start feeling more and more inadequate and you're going to start to feel more and more alpha and powerful. And it's kind of a recipe for disaster with a relationship just going too far apart from a, a dynamic of masculine and feminine energy. What I would recommend in that setting is actually tuning up your feminine and allowing yourself to get the fuck girly. Okay, sorry, you can edit the F word out. But um, like, don't misread me saying what I'm about to say. That's the time to get your lingerie out. That's the time to like, you know, do whatever it is that makes you feel your most feminine, because it's those things that are going to elevate your man to want to get on out there to be the man that he is rather than your power moves. It's going to allow him to feel safe. I know some people are listening to this will think it's controversial, but ladies, this is the truth. It's important for us to bask in our feminine 
power. And that is not the power of a trident. It's the power of a river and not like a rock, you know, like a river is so strong, but it flows. And that's where we really have an edge in the world, our intuition. And I think we often mask it with the power of a rock, which is that power of like you led with, I'm a powerful, strong woman. Be strong like a river, not like a rock. Why do I keep picking emotionally unavailable men? Oh, Allison. (laughs) Oh, that's a much deeper topic that we're not going to be able to address on the podcast. But you're unaware of a barrier. That's ultimately, you know, it takes some digging into to answer that question. You're not unique in that. You want to start with what did your childhood look like? You know, that's a really great fundamental question for us that are going back to the same kind of guy. Is it the unavailable guy or is it the guy that kind of, you know, emotionally beats up on us? Are you aware of your attachment style? Are you an anxious avoidant or an anxious attachment style and you keep picking avoidant men? Why are the patterns like that? And that it's an individual thing for all of us. It's it's not a blanket answer, but it does involve going deep on your past, addressing your fears, which is all of the things that, you know, you think of this as therapy work, but it's also coaching work. Coaching just, I think, is a little bit more direct and moves a bit faster because a coach can actually tell you what they see and a therapist wants you to figure it out on their own. So I think both are a healthy approach and both go really nicely together. Fantastic. Thank you so much for giving your your wisdom, your insights, your love, attention, vulnerability, openness, all that good stuff today. So appreciate it. And for all you listening out there, we'll put Marika's contact information and some of the books and Instagram. She, she referenced a couple different things. We'll put those in the notes. And that kind of wraps it up here. We've got a little card here. Want to pick a card as you say goodbye here? And let's see see what it says. Okay. This one's looking right at me. What do you have? Okay. When I surrender my will to the care of spirit and the universe, I attune my energy with an ever-present stream of well-being. Amen. Yeah, baby. That's for the next one. Pink Wisdom is produced by Kevin Seaman and Allison Chase. Engineering today was by Anthony Farina at Newhouse. Editing and mixed by Kevin Seaman and Chase Nolan. Special thanks to our guests, Marika Frooms.